Welcome everyone. This is Dan coming to you from the uh, today. We're coming to you from the studio at 502 Power Yoga. Um, very important place to me, and I'll get around to explaining that in a minute. I want to say coming to you from the wood shop at DTM Enterprises, but that is not where we're at today. So um, let me get these little commercials out of the way real quick. Just want to make sure you guys uh, know to go out to spiritualunderground.org. That's where we uh, have show notes and a website to support this podcast. Uh, contact me pages on there so that you can uh, email me uh, with any questions, any feedback. I invite your feedback on the podcast. Uh, the music around this is produced by a guy named Darren Frank. Uh, we'll make sure we give him musical credit. And the uh, last little commercial I have today is uh, 12-Step Spiritual Recovery. That is a book written by a man named James Christopher Cohn here from Louisville, Kentucky, and it's on Amazon. So uh, if you're interested in it's it, what that's done, it's made these... Uh, Previously, the 12 steps have really just been accessible to those with the isms, the uh, gamblers, the alcoholics, the addicts, uh, those kind of people. And uh, what this book is doing is opening up 12 steps to everybody so that uh, these tools, really the tools that are available in 12 steps are, are will, will work for anyone. You do not have to have a uh, uh, ism, so to speak, in order to access them. So once again, that's uh, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery at Amazon. Uh, it's available in hard, co- hard copy and on Kindle. So why I am here today, uh, it's just become, occur- it's become apparent to me that, uh, you know, that, that there are a lot of people in my periphery that are on a recovery journey that are not the same one that I found. I found my recovery through the 12 Steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and it brought me, you know, in the beginning, it was just a way to stop using, stop drinking and using dope. Uh, what it comes to now is actually a way for me to live in some principles, some operating principles that I can operate with and, and, and have really, you know, a life that I couldn't even imagine. I've said over and over, if I'd have written a script coming into 12 steps and said, here's the things I want, uh, I would have sold myself short. I would have no way been able to write a script that would have adequately uh, described what I have in my life today. And uh, and one of the things that that did that that happened through that was coming into contact with uh, with this very yoga studio, and and developing a yoga practice of my own, which actually you know I said, uh, which really took my recovery to a new level once I started doing that. Again, I didn't know it, uh, and at the time uh, I was just kind of felt like I was stumbling along. Actually, I got tricked into coming here. Uh, while we sit here, there's a program next door that's called uh, that's actually happening right as we sit. That is uh, Y12SR, and it's it combines the twelve step of uh, the twelve step philosophy with a yoga practice, and brings the two things together. And a friend of mine invited me to come here, and actually, she uh, when she invited me to come, she told me that I was just going to have to trust her. It was around my birthday, and she said, "I'm going to take you someplace. I'm not going to tell you where we're going." Uh, I just want you to trust me. And man, that was tough. And as it got to be just a few days out from the uh, date that, I, that, that where, where when we were coming, I finally ended up having to ask you. Know, and I did. I trusted. I just trusted and trusted. And I said, you know, you at least have to tell me what I need to wear because I didn't know if we were going out to eat and I needed a tie or what. And when she said just wear like gym shorts and a T-shirt, uh, I thought we were getting massages. I thought that's what we were maybe doing, and uh, and she pulled up over here to CVS across the street where we're not supposed to park, and uh, and got two yoga mats out of the back of her out of her trunk, and and she was right because if I could have bolted at the moment, I probably would have. Uh, it was way outside my comfort zone was to come to a yoga studio and just to kind of 
fast forward that and we'll talk i'm sure it'll get we'll talk about it a little bit as we talk to the interview cat today um i went out of town and and had an experience in japan and i come back and for whatever reason i don't have any idea i walked in when i got off the airplane i knew i was going to sign up for that 40 for 40 deal and and begin a yoga practice I, it was just in my heart i have no idea how that happened and why i come off of that trip out of town uh and i did and i and and like that was a little over two years ago i think now and and uh, as they say like the rest is history and just uh actually almost two months ago today almost well it'd be two months ago in a couple days uh i graduated from 502 power yoga's uh 200 hour yoga teacher training class which another one of these uh just 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 accelerated my recovery and and my life and and brought me new tools and and just had me it was just a it was like a boot camp for all my on the spiritual journey another uh another level up using like gamer terms or something so um it circling back i, I saw that cat was uh she had shared during the teacher training about how yoga had changed her and where she had was uh i guess I, I'm, I'm putting words into her mouth for a moment but i'll just go with it for a minute was at one point was wandering around a little lost and didn't know what to really do and where to go and 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 she came to uh to a recover her true spirit through a yoga practice so that's why i've invited her on the show today uh, I really want to branch out and see about these other people who are finding themselves and in, in learning to uh, get in touch with their inner self, the real true spirit, through various practices. Um, in that 12-step spiritual recovery uh, book I was talking about a minute ago, we have an 11th step in a normal 12 in the in the normal 12 steps that says uh, to um, continue to improve our conscious contact with the God of our understanding, with our higher power through a practice of prayer and meditation. Well, like this new 12 step that my sponsor, and it's getting really sticky when you talk about rewriting something that is that ingrained in that, that uh, documented as what the 12 steps are, is that it's it's through prayer, meditation, and other practices like, and he doesn't go on, but when you read into it, he talks about the yoga and talks about a whole bunch of other places where we can go delve into um a deeper connection with ourselves really whether that's through the thought of a higher power outside or through the inner self uh, i'm not sure those two things are any different i think it's a perception mm -hmm. but anyway that's what i'm uh that's why we're sitting here today so i know i've uh, run i'm really good at running my mouth i could take over the microphone but what i want to do first is welcome cat welcome to the uh spiritual underground podcast hi everybody i'm glad to be here yeah i'm really excited to have you here today so um you know, like when I'm doing a recovery podcast, I ask somebody what the way we start is what their sobriety date is. That's a real important date. So I'll just stumble <laughs> along here. Uh, I know it'll work out exactly the way it's supposed to. So I have no fear there whatsoever. Um, so I will just let you begin. And if you want to start. Uh, Man, you like, said the what's the sobriety date. And and actually, when you were talking earlier about, about the, the book, that's for people that aren't in any sort of AA program but like they have um, or they don't have an ism I was thinking like for me I'm I'm not an alcoholic I'm not a gambler I'm none of those things maybe slightly addicted to technology but that's another conversation yeah um, but I think that um, my addiction was like concern for looking goodism mm -hmm. like I'm gonna go ahead and call it that like there was a lot of like I was addicted to um, being perceived as doing the right thing yeah. Yeah. So um, 
I actually could probably find a date of my first day of sobriety, which was the date that um, my former business partner, who helped me found 502 Power Yoga, Sarah Smith, um, I was in our very first teacher training at the studio, going through the work, learning the same things that Dan just learned a couple of months ago. And she used the word authenticity. Yeah. And I'd heard, I'm sure I had heard the word before. Like it's a common, commonly used word. But for some reason, the day that we talked about it, or maybe there was some journaling work that was behind it, or maybe it had been presented in, in class. I don't know what it is, but like something struck me. And it was like, this is what has been missing. This is what, like, there's something just like discordant about my life. Something's not right. I feel a little unsettled. I'm not happy. I don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden that word authenticity, it was like, that's it. I am not, I'm trying to do these things that please others. And I'm not living according to my own authentic, true north, my, yeah. my true self. So yeah, sometime in like 2000, what would that be? 2014, maybe? It's well, when I, our sobriety days would be got, very close to one another then. when I got sober. That's yeah. being concerned about what people think. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, you know, and, and I really, I lean on a recovery date kind of thing rather than, even though it was the last time I took a drink and at the time that was what my goal was, was to stop, right? But mm-hmm. now looking back, you know, that was where like the, I turned a corner, you know, where the, where the, it was almost like an awakening. Yeah. You know, where you went, hmm, like you said, that landed, that word authenticity landed on you and you were struck by it. There's a uh, shift. I mean, it's like a, it's a, like shift. a watershed. It's like this, you know, creek is going this one way and then all of a sudden there's something that's something that gets in the way that just shifts the entire trajectory. Yeah. And it might be a shift that you choose. It might be a shift that chooses you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it might even just be like, for me, I think it was just some, I was ready for it. Like I was looking, I was searching for like, what is it? What is it that's not right? And had I not been searching, I probably would have continued on in my trajectory of pleasing everybody, doing all the things that were expected of me. Yeah. 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 You use that word trajectory. I use that a lot now. I, I use the word authenticity a lot today. Uh, integrity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some of that, you know, and now I don't really know where if I, because I know I picked a lot of it, uh, that language up. I, know, I, I fell in love with True North. Mm-hmm. That whole thought, that whole true north alignment. And, and I look at it as like some kind of internal compass needle inside of me where I'm constantly doing a course correction mm-hmm. when when things aren't. And when, when, when I'm in my true north, it's like there's no there's no mistaking that either. The joy that's included when my needle is pointing north and mm-hmm. I'm on that path. I, I feel it when I'm sitting here behind the microphone. I, I just feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I'm doing certain other things and, I, and now I have a way to, I never had any terms to wrap around that. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. have any real words that would land as I tried to explain my feelings uh, around it. And, and that true north alignment just landed. Yeah, it's kind of like, it's like when we have a really good ohm in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with the ohm. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Dan makes them out of wood. They're beautiful. But yeah. the ohm is, um, it's a universal sound. And every now and then, if you get like just this really great vibration and like you're in sync with that vibration, you just suddenly feel this like connection to this deeper current in the universe. Yeah. And I think that that's sort of what happens when all of a sudden you're lined up with your true north, you're doing the things that serve your deepest authentic self. Like it just feels. It just feels good. It just feels right. Yeah. And, and it's in a way that you can't really explain it because yep. it, it isn't always easy. I think that's that's probably the hardest part about it is that the things that make me feel the most authentic, most authentically myself, 
are usually some of the hardest things that I've had to do. Yep. Like I had to um, go through a divorce from my ex-husband, which we can go into a little bit more detail. But I mean, that was something that was incredibly challenging and took me years to even come to that decision. And um, even in doing so, there was always that deeper undercurrent of being connected to doing what's what's the right thing for my, for me. Yeah, what's right for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So most of the time when we're talking here, uh, I can usually get people to go back and think and like one of the things I heard you saying, it made me like I just wasn't comfortable in my own skin for whatever reason. Like when you were saying the like needing people to like me or accept me or you said something about an image thing where I needed to look good, yeah. whether if that's physically or look good, you know, for people mm-hmm. um, that I can usually trace that back to some things where I when I can remember some specific episodes and we did some exercises like that in teacher training of going back and looking to see where like these events happened in our lives to uh, that like that, you know, you know, I would like to tell you that stuff don't bother me anymore. You know, when and I got to a certain the, point, you know, the these things the from when, from when I was a kid and, yeah. and, and different events that happened that, you know, and I think we all go through them. I mean, if you, if you grew up and you were immune to all that, uh, that's, that's like the, that's like a lot of winter kind of, kind of thing. Cause we're just, that's just what life is. And when we, that, you know, and our great thing, I'll probably talk about this a bit was the, the, what's it, uh, finding Joe, is that the name of the movie about the Joseph Campbell movie, you know, yeah. and that hero's journey thing where you're just going to be doing these challenging things like the divorce. You're going to have these things where you're going to uh, have events in your life. Buddha would say that life is suffering. Now, I don't really subscribe to like it is, but it certainly contains some. You know, there are bumps in the road that we're going to have to figure out how to get by. Mm-hmm. And some of those ones when I was a kid, I didn't know, I didn't have the tools I have today to move through them. And I didn't have teachers, you know, uh, like I said, this is not a blame game either, but my parents were fantastic parents, but but I just didn't get the tools. And also didn't I didn't know that how to ask for the help when I was little either. You know, to, to, to allow, there probably was a lot of people around would help me manage some of the things I was running into when I was a kid, but I couldn't, I couldn't ask for the help. I didn't know how to do that. And one thing, some of the stuff was it embarrassed me. I thought something was wrong with me. Right. Yeah. So, uh, to circle back around, I don't know, uh, that's where I like to do is get talking about like, a in recovery circles, when we speak, we speak of what it was, what it was like, like what all the stuff was like. What happened was usually your event, like you just said about coming in, whatever happened and how that landed and then like what it's like now. So that's the other thing I always like to want to talk about is the miracles. So look at like the things that shaped us, the events that like made the real turning point, mm-hmm. And then the miracles is what I call them is the things that are happening in our lives today. Now that we move past that uh, pivotal event. So um, the thing that happened like, like this, so this was work that we did in teacher training, right? So Dan did this work too, where um, you, we all have these self-limiting beliefs, these beliefs about ourselves that we we tell them, we tell them to ourselves, and we sort of learn to believe them, and we make that sort of a label, like on my forehead, you know, like this is who I am, um, and it usually stems from something that happened when you were small, um, and. It, it's actually pretty amazing and miraculous that I've now witnessed um, six teacher trainings, and it, it's absolutely true. There's always something that happened when you're small, and small can mean anything from like a baby until like middle school, but like those the impressionable years that that you you decide like something happens that makes you decide something about yourself. And so for me, I was in fifth grade, and um, I had a best friend. 
and one day on the playground, my best friend dumped me, basically. She, she walked up to me and she said, well, you're not cool, so I'm mm. going to be friends with Bryn now. And, and that was the beginning of um, cliques and hierarchy in, in school. And um, all of a sudden I had been, um, somebody had decided that I was going to be a dork at school. And, you know, I kept looking at my environments. I looked at, like, I got my ears pierced. Like, maybe that's why I'm not cool because my ears Uh. aren't pierced. Maybe I'm not wearing the right clothes. Maybe it's because I wear glasses. I'm going to start wearing contacts. Like, I started to do all these things trying to understand, like, what had cast me into dorkdom? Like, what is it about me? And I just became completely immersed in concern for what everybody thought about me. And being concerned about it did not change anything. I continued to be a dork. (laughs) I continued to be made fun of. I was bullied. I had a really wonderful group of friends that were bullied alongside of me, but Mm -hmm. we were all the intelligent, um, you know, the the, the do-gooders, you know, the ones that all the teachers really liked, but that, of course, made us the target for um, being teased. Uh, So so at that time, I, I made it mean that I was not likable. And even to this day, I'm 38 years old, and I still think that about people sometimes. Like, well, this person is a cool person. I am a dork. Therefore, we, we shouldn't get along. And yeah. I still have those thoughts. But um, what I have now is like that light has been shined on that moment and what I've made that mean. And then like I see that that happens. And I don't know if that if it's like that at all for recovery, but it's it sort of exactly. like it's sort of it's like so it comes parallel, up, it's it comes up, the action happens, and I'm I'm like, oh wait, that's right, that was something really stupid that happened in fifth grade. I'm making it rule my life, and I'm making I'm letting it make all these decisions for me. When the reality of it is that I am who I am. I'm maybe a little kooky, <laughs> and the reality is that people actually like me the way that I am. Right. Um, it's it's turned me into somebody that that is just a little bit off kilter a little bit um i don't know like i i i think that there's something about me that is is just a little different like um i always like to say that everybody at the studio that we're like the island of misfit toys yeah and i think that that was me i was on the island of misfit toys and i had other people on the island with me and I kept trying to get off the island, like for my whole life. Like, how do I, what do I need to do to, to be like everybody else? What do I need to do to, to get like this type of person to like me? When deep down, like I actually just needed to be myself and find all the other people that were going to be on the island with me and be a yeah. little bit different like me. And so once, once I got clear on that through the word authenticity, like seriously, just in my face, authenticity, like, oh gosh, that's that's what's wrong that's what i need um it was just like i shed all these layers these like layers that had built up over the years of like what other people expect and i started to just uncover myself for me it was um it was not my teacher training but it was one of the teacher trainings um we had a big celebration at the end of the teacher training with lots of dancing and music and it was like 2 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon and I was dancing my butt off with no concern at all for what anybody thought. I can't dance at all. Me in high school, I was the one standing on the side with my arms crossed concerned for like looking foolish in front of everybody. And I just like, I just realized that I stopped caring. I stopped worrying about what other people thought and it actually 
turned into this like freedom that I didn't know was possible. I don't know if I've gotten to the the miracle. I guess that's the miracle. Is that, the, the well, freedom you know, that, I've um, found. that is that's where the miracle. I think that's like where some people say like when the crack with the cracks start allowing the light in. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you start actually being like embracing it rather than like fighting it. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of stuff that's just total parallel with uh, with what we find, you know, because of that same. Um, and, and as I was in teacher training, you know, I'm sitting there going with constantly looking at like how this paralleled exactly like what uh, 12 steps is and the way that it's a it's a it's a set of tools that allows you to go back and look at this stuff that made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. so that I can actually see it and like you said tell myself I go oh that's that again you mm-hmm. know that is not really me and I can you know sometimes I'm better at that than other times you know matters really how big the crisis is right right you know if I go into that total fight or flight kind of thing where I'm, I'm I've lost myself for a minute but today I have tools that pulls me back in and that's the same same thing as what we've done and fact of the matter for like a guy like me those things like those events like once I found like alcohol that fixed that not being able to fit in. That's the word I was hitting on, hitting on when, as you were talking, is that this thing where I was constantly wanting to be a part of, but always felt that I was outside of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked uh, what this, uh, you know, I always like, I vacillated between being better than and less than. And what that did is kept me away from you. Mm-hmm. You know, I would think, well, I'm just, smarter i'm better you know and and then the flip side of it you well i'm a nerd i'm a you know and so i'm constantly like vacillating and i couldn't just be me i would always have to be something that separated me from everybody else you were uh, in know. comparison instead of just being right yeah mm-hmm. yeah and looking for the differences rather than looking for the 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 similarities, the similarities. The connections yeah and you know, we're all like you were saying that island of misfit toys kind of thing you know and to use uh baron baptiste words is you are perfectly we're all a little perfectly imperfect right that's the fact of the matter yeah and, i love that and just having to be okay with that and like embracing my own imperfections and yours too so that we can smile about them and and uh that's what's uh that's what recovery's done is 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 pull those layers of all this bullshit off of me all the the stories i'm telling myself uh you know that was the big theme i think that was a big theme on on at least the teacher training i went through was the lies the stories that i'm telling myself Mm -hmm. Uh, i'm actually going to use i'm have my have a weekend after next i have a men's retreat coming up my sixth one uh, that's that's one of my miracles is that you know not only i not attended six men's retreats i have hosted i'm four years sober and I've uh, hosted six, will be six men's retreats. And that's going to be my theme. I always try to do some kind of theme. I actually put together programming around it of things to do, not just go hang out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be my theme this year, pulling a lot of things from my yoga teacher training. Uh, do that. I was cool. like taking notes and cool. using some of that. And we're going to be doing morning yoga. Good. And, uh, and I'm introducing that into my retreats that I'm having. Uh, morning meditation and yoga to to bring that the lies we tell ourselves these stories that we tell ourselves that aren't true and we get hung up on that's that's my theme this year i love it um and you said that like not being able to fit in and you were talking about like a um that was more than an event that was a a time frame where you struggled to do you ever did you ever feel even back then that you ever broke out of that or was that a constant there was that something that stayed with you 
You know, I, I brought that into my adulthood, the same kind of thing of the not fitting in and really just not knowing where I fit. There's like a some kind of hole I was never able to like fill, and I would hang around with certain people in order to try to, nope, not here, mm-hmm. you know, and then go try to hang out with other people and go, well, nope, these are not my people either. See, for me, I think that, that I always, um, I was sort of like in a drift, like a drifting from person to group of friends without choosing without um I don't feel like I had a like a powerful choice like even my group of friends from college I look back and it's like why did I hang out with them we had nothing in common and it was just like they lived on the same floor of me as me my freshman year and it was yeah it was just easy like I was always just sort of like going with I mean I want to say going with the flow but that I think that that that's a more spiritual way of saying it this was more of um taking the easy way out and not really knowing what it is i wanted and just um allowing the universe to like make decisions for me like a life of convenience yeah just, I, this is convenient I, to me and this is convenient just... this works um i a girl i lived with in los angeles was you know we we met and i thought okay well she's i don't really get along you know, like i don't really feel a good vibration from her but she, she seems like good on paper and so I'll live with her and of course it ended up being a pretty terrible living situation and same with my ex-husband it was like he checked all the boxes he had a good job and he was handsome and he did all the you know he checked all the boxes and I was at that age where I was supposed to be getting married and it just sort of fell into place you know even and any sort of red flags that would pop up along the way I would sort of ignore them mm-hmm. um not wanting to disrupt any sort of ease or drift um so so that the the drift just sort of took me where it wanted and i just i don't know i I feel like i just woke up when i heard that word authenticity and it was like oh i actually know i can actually get to know myself on a deeper level and i can use that knowledge to make choices that align with what it is i want i can like actually create things i can disrupt this drift i can start to cause some change and make some something happen that is something that I want to happen. I can choose the people I want to be with. Yeah. I can actually marry somebody who makes me really excited and happy and like is somebody that I imagine myself I always imagined myself with but doesn't necessarily check the boxes, you know. Right, yeah. Yeah. With well, some of that uh we talk a lot about being programmed, you know, and society told me that by a certain age I should be getting married. You know, and the, the thing of, you know, hunting for the good, secure job, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and, and walking these like, kind of similar to the check in the boxes, uh, like you were saying, you know, it's mm-hmm. time to do this. You know, you got out of high school, you went to college, you know, that's just what you did. And I, and I didn't really. Most of the time I was not walking the path that 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 society told me I didn't get I didn't go to college right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, what had happened to me and, and is that I started finding that the substances covered up all those insecurities that I had about not fitting in and you know all of a sudden when I was able to when I was inebriated I could be the life of the party I could dance like nobody was watching like you were saying you know and I could do that stuff with that with those substances in me and then they ran off with me because as as with most uh outside things it, it becomes a thing where uh um the same quantities does don't get you where you need to be yeah. as they did last time yeah and so then you start having to do more of them and different ones and adding them together and uh and in order to get 
to where you were last time and it becomes a chase that 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 takes you down a path here you just don't know that you're even you know i had no idea i was being drugged down that path yeah um, um i started i started drinking when i was 18 and i i remember like there was a cognitive like light bulb that went off like i can like first of all my my friends think it's really cool that i'm drinking i waited a lot longer than everybody else to to start drinking yeah. so when i finally did have my first drink it was like woohoo cats drinking let's all celebrate and i like i got a little bit of a like a little high from that like ooh people people like this yeah yeah they're and, celebrating me and then there was the discovery of like oh when when i'm when i'm drunk i don't actually care as much so like i will go dance if i'm drunk i will do this if i'm drunk i can say the things that i'm un- i would normally feel uncomfortable saying because i'm drunk and it i don't care as much and I did, um, I'd stopped drinking for like seven months. I think it's been about a year or so, but, um, I was kind of like, I had gotten really aware of that. Like, oh wow, I'm using, I'm using alcohol as like a, an access to, to doing these things that I I really just don't need it. Now that I have these, these other tools and these awarenesses and the the light that shine on who I am and I don't care as much, like I actually don't need alcohol to be able to dance like a fool yeah. in the middle of the day on a Sunday yeah. with a bunch of people I barely know. Like, so, so that was an interesting awareness too, that like I started, I think to go down that path of, of depending on alcohol to make me feel like I was comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And I'm very grateful that, that I don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, uh, yeah, there is a, there is a genetic component that they've proven that if you have this in your history and your family history that you're more liable to fall that direction i think you can still you know you can actually just do it just because of the same kind of hooks that get you just because like you said you can you feel authentic right you know it's not true right uh, it's just like numb i don't know what exactly what happens but it, it's more of just like it numbs the parts of you that give a shit yeah yeah it takes all your it releases your inhibitions and you'll do things that you wouldn't have normally done mm-hmm. uh it's interesting that you found that. So you said you, you've like just for a, for a year or so now that you've like recognized that and done something about it. Did yeah, I, hear that? I mean, I I stopped drinking on Thanksgiving of two thousand. What year are we in? Two thousand nineteen. I guess it was two thousand seventeen. And I just um, my husband doesn't drink. My new husband. Um, and and you were I'd with had, him. That's, sorry, this, I was, this probably was them. I also hearing that this happened together. Like you were with him, and it just sudden. Yeah, didn't feel he, right. he was sober when I met him. So he's, um, I've never seen him drink a drop of alcohol. He, he was a big fan of the bourbon. Um, but he, uh, I'm not sure. It actually, it didn't have much to do with him. He doesn't mind that I drink. But mm-hmm. he, uh, I had had a couple of beers one night. And I just got really emotional and mm. like kind of silly. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to stop. Like alcohol is not serving me in any way, shape or form. And I didn't know how long I was going to go on a break. Um, I ended up going seven months. So it was the following summer at my at my grandmother's memorial service <laughs> that I had a glass of wine and and reintroduced it. But, like, ever since I did that, I feel like there's been a, a, a more of an awareness. Yeah. Like, when I come home from a stressful day and I feel like I want to have a glass of wine because I'm stressed out like oh it's kind of like taking that pause and shining that light like 
that's not a very healthy thing to do. So um, maybe I'll just have a kombucha and write in my journal instead. Yeah. Yeah. Do something else. Yeah, because I, you know, I'm not in any kind of temperance movement kind of thing either. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a resentment against alcohol. Now, for me, it was a really, really big problem, right? Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't have a thing where I don't think anybody, you know, because there's people out there can drink and not, not get pulled down a pike with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think it's really cool that you've like said, okay, I'm actually doing it because of this, you know, because. I joke around once in a while, and I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but but I'm not sure just how much you know. Like um, people talk about, like keep people that are sober alcoholics keep alcohol in their house, you know. And I go, you know, if you were like a if you were an abstinent heroin user, would you just keep a little heroin over in the drawer, you know, just in case somebody stopped by and wanted a little, you know? Because that'd be <laughs> like this. That'll be the thing that's like, well, somebody might come over and want a beer, so I keep some beer around, you know. And and I know it's a little different because of what society has said, mm-hmm. but you know, if you're if the po- if that's a because po- to me I have an old guy who talks about he says you know, look if when you look at alcohol early on you're doing mind game stuff to try to not want it put a skull and crossbones on in on the bottle when you see it because that's what it is to you for you that's for me that's poison mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what's gonna we like a uh, we there's a lot of little cute little sayings which when I do I'm allergic to alcohol when I when I take some in I break out in handcuffs. Uh, <laughs> things like that happen to me when I drink and, and I don't know when I take the first drink of alcohol I really don't know where that's going to lead me because I have this thing called a we call it an allergy it's a it's a it's a thing where I once I have a little I have trouble controlling how much I'm going to drink I will say I'm only going to have one I'll try to tell myself that I'm only going to have one and and I'll be I'll be shot I'll be drunk and I don't like what happened you know I can't once I get a little in me I can't stop mm-hmm. um so I don't keep it around and but one of the things I see like I've had some people where they don't and it's out of respect more so it's people who are not they just don't drink around me right and I don't ask them to do that but if uh, your husband was not drinking I just was wondering if maybe it was a thing where you know he was like well you know if he's not drinking then I don't really need it either mm-hmm. and it made it like you said increase to your awareness of, of what where we're using outside things uh, you because know, I think I could probably with my addictive tendencies I could there's a chance I could overuse yoga yeah you know I can totally. overuse lots of things even healthy things for me if I'm not not careful now I don't really think that's going to happen you know the likelihood of that but people will mm-hmm. they could you could end up doing a, one of the things if you're having negative consequences as a result like let's say you're going to yoga so much that you're neglecting your family or you're missing work the next day because you're, you know, different things. You right. could actually get to a point where you're doing something healthy at a negative rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, similar kind of stories of, uh, of carrying this into an adulthood. And, uh, and you said it's 2014, but you were toying with, you, you'd found a yoga practice sometime. I started practicing yoga. The fir- first time I started going regularly was when I lived in Los Angeles in 2000, I think it was 2007. I started practicing at Santa Monica Power Yoga, which was uh, Brian Kest-owned studio, so not a Baptiste yoga studio, which is what we are. Um, it was a different type of power yoga. Still, still vigorous, still sweaty, um, still a vinyasa-type sequence of flowing and linking movement with breath. Um, it's just a couple blocks from my office, and a girlfriend invited me to go with her. And um, so you were working in LA at this I was point. Working in you were out LA. out of college and had yes. taken a job in LA. Yes, I was in my early twenties mid-20s something like that 
And um, I loved it. I mean, I loved how I felt after class. It was crazy hard. I could see people around me doing things that I could never even imagine being able to do with my own body. Yeah. Um, and I would just leave t- completely wrung out, like like a sponge that had been squished and all this stuff had come out of me. And like I was sweaty and I was um, dating my ex-husband at the time. And I, I came back to his apartment. I was just like, that was amazing. You, you should try it. And they laughed and they're like, yoga? <laughs> Yo- how do you burn any calories doing yoga? And I was like, yeah. you guys need to come check it out. And I just... I got pretty hooked and started, I was going only about once a week because it was a pretty big time commitment. They were only 90 minute classes available at that studio. And um, when I moved back to Louisville in 2010, the very first thing I did was Google Power Yoga Louisville and found nothing. (laughs) So so I started going to some other studios around town and dabbling. I I experienced Bikram yoga for the first Mm time. I mean, I didn't even know that there was any other kind of yoga at that time. I thought power yoga was it. I thought that was yoga. Um, So I experienced Bikram. I did rocket yoga. I got into Ashtanga yoga for a pretty long time and um, did my first teacher training because I started to get really obsessed. I had been a runner and, and I stopped. I didn't stop running, but I slowly started to practice yoga more than I was running. Um, The running was making me injured and, the yoga was helping so i slowly started to shift and um decided to get my teacher training didn't think that i was going to teach yoga i just wanted to learn more wanted to get a more in-depth education about the history and the lineage and the philosophy um and of course like what happens in a lot of yoga teacher trainings you end up teaching afterwards because you're so fired up and you're so excited that you, you want to share everything that you've learned yeah, right so i did start teaching um and at the time i was still practicing Brian Kest Power Yoga online. Um, and then I started to, took it to the Google. And I went to the Google and I typed in, you know, Power Yoga podcast or something like that. And I found um, a Baptiste Power Yoga class on a podcast. Kindley McCollum's, I'll never forget. I still take her classes every now and then. And um, they, uh, they were different. There, there was a message to them. And so I found myself taking these classes and it was like, wow, not only am I getting this like great physical practice, there's, there's like a message, there's a, like a spiritual connection that again, I don't think I had realized was missing for me. Um, that really, it just really spoke to me and it started like, it started really small, like, um, some, just some like inquiry around like like the exit door. I remember one of Kindley's classes, she talks about the exit door and how, um, how it's very common for people to want to like run as soon as something gets hard. But what, what's actually possible if you stay and you stay in something that's hard. I think we were in like warrior two and it's, she's holding us there forever. And, yeah. um, I just started to get really into the Baptiste methodology at that time. And it didn't exist anywhere around town. There was no power yoga anywhere around town. Um, the class at the studio I was teaching at, I asked the teacher to change the name to Power Yoga, and she was a little resistant, but she did it. Um, and I just started so the, to you take... Were, you were teaching a class? Is I that, was teaching a class, yeah, I taught it. And you it. wanted to call it Power Yoga, uh, yeah. and they really weren't really wanting to do that? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, and um, I was taking what I was learning from these Baptiste classes, and I found more. I found more people who offered these classes on podcasts and stuff. Um, started to like kind of say some of the things that they were saying and I started to 
do some of the same sequences, which was Journey into Power. And I didn't realize that that's what it was, but I started to incorporate that into my teaching. And then in um, 2013, I, in the meantime, had gotten married. I was seven months pregnant. And uh, I met Sarah Smith, who I opened the studio with. Um, and Sarah Smith had moved to Louisville. She had been living in Indianapolis. Um, and she asked to join the 50, no, the, not the 502, um, the Louisville Yoga Instructors Facebook group, which I had started and I was managing. Huh. And when she asked to join the group, I clicked on her little profile to see who she was. And it said certified Baptiste yoga instructor. And I got so excited. Like to me, this is like somebody who actually knows what this Baptiste stuff is, is coming to Louisville and I can ask her all these questions and, and pick her brain. Um, and so the two of us had lunch. She had a three month old baby at the time. I was super pregnant. Um, so that's kind of like the same kind of, that's the miracle kind of thing. And I just won't, no, I won't interrupt you real bad, but those are the kind of things where the stars have aligned or whatever and brought you to where you were, what you were looking for by totally. no power of your own. Right. Totally. Other than you were taking some actions. We do have some actions that we have to take. You were searching, you were looking, you had your eyes open. Yes. You um, saw an opportunity and you actually reached for it. I did. Yeah. And it was like I was saying earlier, it was so hard. It was it, I knew it was the right thing to do, but it was really challenging um, because b before I met Sarah, I had started to think about opening my own yoga studio. Yeah. I was teaching at two studios. I was thinking like, I could, I think I could do this. I think that we could have, I think this community could support a power yoga studio, but I'm pregnant. My husband is in grad school. Like there, there's actually no possible way that this is going to be happened. So maybe, maybe 10 years, like that was kind of where I was at. Like, okay, maybe when Samantha's in grade school. I'll, I'll actually bother to open a yoga studio. And then I met Sarah and she said, my plan is to open a power yoga studio here in Louisville. And I remember that conversation. Um, the feeling that I had was, um, I was crushed. I, I wasn't excited. I was devastated. Oh, really? Like somebody beat you to it. She was going to beat me to it. She was, here is this thing that I wanted to do yeah. that I had been, I mean, I even had a logo designed. I had this sketch of this logo in my notebook, like ready to go. <laughs> I had a business plan. I had everything. I just didn't have the time. And here she was ready to go. Mm. And I was, I mean, I just, I remember my face fell. I just felt awful. Um, and I spent the rest of the afternoon just feeling sort of bummed. And then something Sarah had said during lunch was along the lines of like stepping outside of your comfort zone like the sort of thing that we hear like you and me hear all the time around the studio but yeah. like to me in that stage of my life was pretty new to me and the thought of stepping outside of my comfort zone it's like that's that's what i need to do i need to i need to ask this person if she would be willing to partner with me and so i sent her an email and said i want to open a power yoga studio too like i know we don't know each other but like let's make this happen and we did too cool yeah yeah i'm really glad it worked out the way it did because i would not have had the confidence the courage the strength um to to do this without having learned the baptiste methodology like so we opened the studio and as we're opening the studio sarah's sort of giving me like a little personal boot camp on like some Baptiste methodology and I did a 40 days to a personal revolution through the Baptiste website so that I could start to like learn some of the the methodology and the language and um, 
And then I did the first teacher training after we had already been open for a couple of months. And so even though we opened it together, like I didn't even come into my own until at least like maybe a year after we had opened. Wow. Yeah. So, so she without, knew she wanted to do a teacher training in conjunction with opening her studio. I mean, that's needed, not a... We needed teachers. Yeah. That's why? That was really well, why? Yeah. I mean, we needed teachers. And also she, um, Sarah is very passionate about teaching teachers. She's, uh, you know, she trained all the teacher train teacher trainees until she moved to South Carolina. And um, she led a teacher training for the Baptist Institute down in South Carolina. Hmm. Um, she's going to be coming back here in September to lead some teacher development. Oh, really? Um, it's what she's passionate about. Yeah, very yeah. cool. So even when I mean, we I... filled up our teaching team and didn't need teachers the same way we did the first year, we, we decided to continue leading the teacher training or holding the teacher training because, first of all, it wasn't... The program had evolved so much that it wasn't just about teaching people how to teach yoga. It had become this program of self-development, of, right. of inquiry, of yep. leadership, of um, getting clear on who it, who you are and what it is you want to create in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It provided me some clarity in that regard. And, you know, and, and I had a fairly solid grounding when I hit it, you know. But mm-hmm. it was definitely... Uh, it was certainly a, a big boost in that in that department, no doubt. And there's a lot of people that are around me that see like the change that happened to me, because mm-hmm. we see that in recovery. We see guys come in and gals too. But you know, my my I will, my frame of mind is mostly men because I'm in a men's home group, and that's really where my, most of my work is happens. And we don't really cross that. That's just a little bit dangerous place to be. You know, I don't go picking up new. Uh, newly sober girls to work with and to try to give this to it's just not a right kind of arrangement uh but to see people blossom you watch guys come in that are dragging their heels we got one of my friends says the kicking shoestrings you know you're just like head down just beat to death you just have no self-esteem when you walk in the room in the beginning and you watch somebody blossom well you know the same thing happens through this process you watch and while i was in teacher training with people you watched people uh, come to life. They blossomed. They, they, they bloomed just like what's happening in springtime now. And like, I won't see that myself, but my friends saw that happen to me too mm-hmm. through the teacher training, through, uh, through, through that process of, of, of change. It's a transformational thing. Yeah. Um, so not all, I mean, having a teacher training, cause I don't really know. I'm asking questions from that. Uh, studios don't generally have teacher trainings. Or do they? These days, it is a little bit more common. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because uh, I don't hear it. And, of course, I'm only, you know, uh, I'm a little, uh, actually branching out a little bit here lately because of uh, the gal I've been seeing. She's done some yoga at some different places around town, mm-hmm. and we will do it together and, and doing some hatha yoga and some other things. that uh, I always look at it from the teacher standpoint now, though. I'm like, what can I learn from being in here today, not just going to do it, right? Right. For a long time, I was just coming into class just to be doing yoga. Now I come into yoga classes to, to, to actually go home with something. Yeah. Even and here. Can I can I offer you a little a little like warning of sure. sorts? I've learned over the years that what what I what drew me to yoga, what attracted me to yoga, was that it helped me with anxiety, depression, mm-hmm. you know, self confidence, things like that. When I turned yoga into my job. All that stuff came back. Oh, really? So I actually practice at another studio fairly often. Yeah. To be a student with yeah. no concern for right. loud noises or 
light bulbs being out <laughs> for yeah, the quality right. of the teaching. Like, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, right in here, you'll probably be really hard to like focus. You're probably heads in the office, or like you said, uh, what? Yeah, a lot of other things in moving inside mm-hmm. your practice. Yeah, it took it took me a little while. I mean, this was only like maybe in the fall of this past year. I was like, I am feeling really kind of stressed out and people always say to do yoga but i'm doing yoga all the time what is it and then i realized that my yoga practice was completely i was completely in my head it was not a been it was not the same quality of yoga practice that it had been when i was just a student yeah so for any yoga teacher out there i think that that's a very it's very tricky because it's so good to go in and like to get ideas from other teachers and to see what works and what doesn't work but if you also completely yeah if you completely let yourself be in just student mode like you'll you'll still maintain those benefits good point of, yeah of thank yoga. you for that yeah. yeah yeah i'm always learning uh i can listen today um, <laughs> sometimes we do that here at, at the studio for for teachers we we're very big on feedback and i i know you did that in your teacher training but everybody on the teaching team if you if i take tina's class on friday at 5 30 i give tina feedback St- keep this stop this start this whatever it might be um, and we've all agreed as a team that sometimes you just kind of want to be on your mat. And so you make that decision when you step into the room today, I'm going to just be a student. And sometimes that's all it takes to, to shift the mindset, I think, of like, oh, you know what? It's, it's like that. It's like when you're meditating and you notice yep. you're thinking about something mm-hmm. else. You just like, oh, hey, bring look, I'm, you just bring it right back. Yeah. Oh, well, that's right. I'm not supposed to be paying attention to the cues that are working and not working. I'm just going to breathe and move yeah, my body. Right. Yeah. yeah, you know, um, I I don't know whether well, I really don't. I, I was want to try to explain it, but I know that for me, yoga is very meditative. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens is that when I'm actually focused, there's a point that always happens, and it's kind of almost like a I, don't know, I like a, like when you're watching a TV show and they like flash back to something old and it like a swirls or something and then they're back i will like swirl and then i'll be on my mat and there's nothing else happening around me you know and i'm just practicing and i'm just listening to the teacher and i'm not really everything else goes you know i'm not thinking about what my kids are needing to do after practice i'm not thinking about what i have to do afterwards i'm not thinking about what time my next podcast is or any of that stuff and i swirl into that where i'm just totally absorbed and 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 i'm just practicing yoga and there's really nothing else going on yeah and it's a great feeling, you know, and I almost because I, I can recognize it, too. You know, at the same time, I can go, you yeah. know, to my inner self, know that, yep, buddy, you're this is why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it it's a very special feeling. I think that's why power yoga has always like worked best for me personally, mm-hmm. because the physicality of it. Right. And the intensity of it, even the heat, like it does something to like sort of force you out of your mind and into your body. Yeah. Um, I've gotten to a point where I can move through an entire journey into power sequence and like be thinking about something else the whole time. And it's, um, it's sad that it's like that because, Mm. you know, it used to be that the physicality of it would force me to be focused. And so for me, my work is always in like noticing when I'm doing that and like, what can I do to add some intensity add a little bit of heat, a little bit of the tapas, the discipline yeah. in, in Sanskrit. The uh, so if, to, uh, sorry? Some of you, just, uh, you find yourself that you're just going through the motions. Just going through the motions, yeah. yeah. So for me, like uh, the harder the class 
or the better like there has to be a good flow to the class like something about um just even the pace or the rhythm that helps to trigger me into that more meditative state yeah yeah so so power yoga for me is really what what works if i go to a class that's um very slow paced where there's lots of stopping and talking or um something along those lines like i i just find that i'm very distracted and i think it's just who i am like it's just the way my brain works i have a very like monkey mind very anxious um I think a lot and uh i need something to to take me out of it yeah well you and i are alike in that regard for sure yeah. uh, i i find myself doing the same thing i uh i like the way the power yoga really i didn't turn off my notifications i want to make sure i'm surprised it actually hasn't dinged i don't know i bet it's because it's not on your uh i'm not plugged onto your wi-fi oh. that's why that's actually a good thing to know that's why it's not my mac is not getting messages i just thought about it um that when I do stuff like um, yin yoga or something that's slower, where I'm then, yeah, because I want to move. Mm-hmm. Now, the flip side of that is, is I know that that's that outside my comfort zone stuff, too, right. you know, where I'm doing something that's not what I want to do. I really love the flow. Of, and one other thing I like about here, too, is that I never get the exact same thing. Now, as a teacher, though, like I know when somebody's right on the sequence, too, you know what I mean? So and they're like doing that. But most of the teachers are more, you know, Newer teachers, I would just say, a lot of times they're more in line with the sequence. Mm-hmm. Teachers that have been around a little longer are a little bit more creative in their sequencing and doing things that keeps me out. And I know I, there's no one internal giggles that when we're doing stuff that I'm like going, that is not what's next, you know. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's good for me to know because that keeps my head in the game rather than just doing going because i can find myself just going through the motions when i know what the next sequence and i'm just and going there, along too there's I, a, a ability to have a meditative state of mind when you know the sequence the uh the studio where i practice i actually practice um ashtanga yoga I'm back into ashtanga yoga and the i'm not sure i know what that is it's it's a style of yoga that actually was one of the th- one of the styles of yoga one of the practices that influenced Bap- um, baron baptiste when he created um, journey into power so it is um it's a vinyasa based sequence it was created in mysore and um it's a set sequence and so there's a couple of different series most people practice the primary series and the primary series is takes about 75 minutes to to do the entire thing but what's special about ashtanga yoga is that different really different is that it's typically practiced in what's called mysore style and Mysore style means that um, everybody has the sequence. It's the same thing every time, no matter what. Even all the breaths and like little tiny transitions between poses are all like very meticulously planned. Um, but when you start a Mysore practice, so you, Dan, you've been practicing yoga for two years. You're pretty, you know, you know the poses. You're a pretty strong practitioner. You would come in and be given like five sun salutation A's, three sun salutation B's leave it at that and then go home oh yeah and then you'd come in the rest of the week every day and you would you know everybody on in their room would be doing something different you come in whenever you can you do your five sun salutation a's your three sun salutation b's and then when the teacher believes that you've mastered that then they give you more poses oh yeah so you build on to interesting it. Hmm. and so it for me when i first started doing ashtanga yoga way before 502 power yoga existed i think it took me a year to get the full primary sequence hmm. and so then um Interesting. So, so what's interesting about it is that like the way that the reason it, it works for me right now is because I walk into a space that's quiet 
everybody's breathing, everybody's doing something different, and I just practice the sequence that I've memorized. Um, that is really good for me mentally because it's it's a lot of space, it's a lot of quiet, and I don't have a lot of space and quiet in my life with a very busy business and a five-year-old daughter. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so it's really beneficial to me, but it's also really easy for me to step into um, automatic. Like Sunday morning, I, I think it was Sunday morning. Friday morning, I was in there and I was um, going through the motions completely in my head about something. And I think that I was even like doing the pose on the wrong side at some point, like just completely distracted. And and so then in, in that moment, the work is to just catch myself and bring me back, come back into the present, um, just harder some days than others. Yeah. So those yeah. there's nobody in there calling poses. You're just coming in or doing the practice in mm-hmm. your own and... Yeah, if anybody ever wants to come with me, love to have you join me. Yeah. But it's uh it's so nice to to have that space and to have that time where it's like I'm I have my practice back. Like I sort of felt like I didn't have it anymore, like yeah. I had lost it. So now I feel like I have my own yoga practice mm-hmm. and it's separate from my work, which is I think healthy for me mentally. But then I come back to 502 and I take a class that's Journey to Power and it just feels like home. And that's the way I like to describe it. Like, yeah, I haven't made an Instagram post about this, I think. Like, it's so great to like go visit other cities and to like spend time and internationally and to, to experience a lot of different things. But then like you come home and there's like nothing like your own couch in your yep, living room. Right. Just feels, it just feels right. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's how I feel about, about the studio. Like, and there's, to me, um, like Ashtanga yoga is, it's very vigorous, very, um, it's really hard. There's a lot of really strange poses, <laughs> but I'm not sure I understand. Um, and when I practiced that before I met Sarah in Open 502, I was very flexible and I had like the biggest biceps you've ever seen. Like I was super strong, I had bulging veins, all this stuff. Like it was just in great shape, but I was still the same kind of like concerned, anxious, not sure, like going with the drift, just, I, I don't know. It didn't do anything for me mentally or spiritually. It wasn't until I started practicing Baptiste yoga and I started getting these deeper lessons and like getting, shining that mirror, having that like mirror of my mat, you know, presented mm-hmm. to me like, yeah. oh wow, like I can actually do something about about these things that are bothering me and I can actually show up in a different way. And um, the, the practice of Baptiste yoga just completely ch- shaped my entire life. Just that trajectory yeah. going the opposite direction. Yeah, I can say the same yeah. thing for me too. And I didn't know what, you know, what we were doing in that recovery yoga was a, was a version of it, but it was a light. And today I know that, you know, and it needs to be for that, that angle of people coming in. You know, you don't know how, where people are at in their recovery. They're usually not usually don't have much on a physical practice at all. Not just, not just uh, yoga. They're just not in very good shape. We don't, I've said, one of my things I say is, as you, we, we talk of this thing about mind, body, spirit. You've heard that forever, right? Everybody's mind, body, spirit, mind, body, spirit. Well, the 12 step program does a really good lot for my mind and my spirit. It really does, but we're doing nothing for our bodies. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we're drinking lots of coffee. <laughs> we're eating cookies and cake at the meetings, uh, but people are standing outside smoking cigarettes uh, you know, in, in doing just a lot of, you know, another friend of mine told something, well, we could talk about, you know, well, we got bullet wounds and paper cuts, you know, and, and in there we are dealing with the people's bullet wounds in their lives, the things that are 
taking having this huge big so like you know yeah just keep smoking for now right you know because <laughs> don't don't worry about that let's get hold of this for now but when i started uh when I started bringing my body into this thing, because I've never had, I'm not, I've been pretty fortunate gene wise that I've always been, I've not had an issue with like controlling my weight or anything like that. And I've always been in relatively decent shape. Uh, although along the line, I started having some lower back issues and some neck stuff mm -hmm. go on. Uh, I was a pain pill addict. Uh, so I somewhat want to know, I'm not, I got a golden ticket once where I got an MRI and they told me I had lower back issues, mm -hmm. which I guess the golden ticket for more pain pills is what that, what I'm saying there. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like jackpot. All right. You know, cause that's just a constant search for, for opiate pain medication. And then eventually it led me to, to start to use heroin, but mm -hmm. for the same reason when the pills started being hard to get. Uh, I ended up going in that direction just for a very short amount of time before I actually got sober. So that didn't really get me. Thankfully, uh, I saw some, uh, I guess I got ripped off by a heroin dealer once and it was enough to piss me off enough that I didn't go back for more and it stopped Thank me. You, I was universe. like, I know that. Yeah. I was like, you know, and I think today about how silly that was that, you know, because people in the drug world are getting ripped off and ripping off all the time. But for me, when I got that money stolen from me and they didn't bring it back to me, that's my, screw that i am not doing that anymore you know and i, I think i but that shouldn't have happened really because uh just the way i am it wouldn't that but it did and it stopped me and it actually was it was a, it bumped me enough to where i hit well i don't know if you know my story on that but i was stealing pain pills i was breaking in homes and stuff and stealing them that's one of the other ways i was getting them and, and i got caught doing that uh, and I stood in front of a judge in New Albany, Indiana, that told me I was going to prison for six to 20 years for doing that. And uh, that was something I couldn't accept. As the universe handed me something, and I knew I didn't have any other, I didn't know what to do. You know, I really didn't. I was trying to handle it on my own. I couldn't, still couldn't stop using and drinking, even with that going on. I was pretending to be sober uh, for everybody who was watching, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I wasn't. I was, uh, and most people know, you know, you think you're hiding that, but, uh, most people know. And, um, but I didn't know a way out and the 12 steps was presented to me. I'd been, I'd had been around the program for about four years prior to that and just doing it lacklusterly. Mm -hmm. uh, we call it half measures, half measures avail you nothing is what mm -hmm. we say in our, in our stuff. And that's, that is the truth uh, until I pushed all my chips, but that forced me to push all my chips to the middle of the table because I had no other escape route, but that one. And I really didn't even believe it would work. You know, but, but it didn't, it was like, you know, prison or this, like what I got to lose. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and I did this and I ended up not spending a single day in prison. I ended up being on home incarceration for a year. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot of fun and, uh, and, and probation and some things. Uh, and, and when I hit here, uh, when I found 502, I was still, I was still, I think I might've still had to get papers signed. When I can't get the leader to do that, to mm -hmm. and, and at that point Rebecca was leading the 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 Y twelve. Mm -hmm. Well, back to circle back full back around to that. I have never had any kind of physical practice I could keep up with in my life. I would try to start running. I would try to go to the gym, and it would be these little spurts of stuff that I just could never keep something that 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 motivated me to return and return and return. And when I, when I walked out of here after that very first Y12, I knew it was something that had touched me. And because by now I've had a little sobriety and I started to get in touch with myself and I walked out of here knowing I really liked that, you know, and yeah. those, I had some hangups. Uh, I looked at it from a standpoint that it was a female thing. You know, it wasn't cool as a dude to be doing yoga. 
and my, you know, and I couldn't keep up with some other people too. And when I actually started coming to a couple of power yoga things, I felt really intimidated because I didn't, you know, uh, I wouldn't let myself off the hook. Mm-hmm. I felt that I needed to be doing it like people who had been doing it for years. Um, that took a little bit, but I, I started coming. You said something about just going once a week. Mm-hmm. So that was that, that Y12 was once a week. It was just on Sundays. So I came back on the Sundays for probably six months of yeah. just coming to that. You know, that was enough. Um, I didn't have my own, I didn't have my own mat and somebody ended up buying me like a Walmart, you know, regular old one of those kind of little cheapy mats, you know, uh, when I finally ended up coming to actual power yoga. Yeah, you had to, right? Uh, I try to head people off and go, you know, buy once, cry once thing, but, or here, I actually, what I have now is a lot of mats that I loan, you know, I've got to nerve one of these addiction things that you can get addicted to yoga equipment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> have too many, mat, have a lot of mats. I'll try this and no, I'll try this and I'll try this and I like them all. I'll, yeah. uh, and then but they do come in handy for loaning people though, that I can get somebody to have one. But uh, I knew that something was touching me that, that I didn't, and I still don't know how to explain it completely, but there was a, a yoga practice fit into like a keyhole that was just exactly yoga shaped huh. uh, and, and, and unlocked something in me and it, and it had a draw. Uh, and I started watching people, you know, like when I came here, Sarah was still here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a really good friend who now leads the Y-12 here that uh, went to the teacher training and I watched her do that. And, you know, we were dating when that was going on. So I actually like in a somewhat since I remember, I remember exactly sitting where I was at whenever she called me and she told me she was going to take this, you mm-hmm. know, and just like the other day, I mean, it was split second for her. I mean, it was like, I think she signed up the week before the training started. You know, I signed up like six months before the training started. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I knew this was something I was going to do, and I went ahead and did it. But she she bumped into this, and the same kind of thing, it touched her heart, too, you know. And that was a similar, you know, when you watch it, get somebody else, and you go, wow, man, that's really got her. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and her story was a fabulous story, too, you know, from where she came from, this recovering her true spirit. You know, mm-hmm. there's another one, you know, another one where, where yoga came in and actually brought somebody around to to doing something that you know they would have never had they tried to write a script some time ago they would have never been able to put that down that someday they were going to be a yoga teacher i can guarantee she would echo that mm-hmm. um so i watched her go through it now so when she's buying the yoga teacher books that you all have, you know that you had to you know obviously the journey into power is one of them mm-hmm. well she bought me one too <laughs> and so like when i got to teacher training i had all the books I had them under, you know, on a bookshelf. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to buy any books when Great. I came to, uh, to, 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 to do my teacher training. Um, but I sat and, you know, and I was, so I was reading some of some of them I wasn't, but I was I read journey into power long before I was can really even before when I was still just coming on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And I actually said, I read in a tree stand. I tell people I deer hunt, but I really, what I do is dress in camouflage and I go up in a tree and hang out for, and read books. Um, that's usually what I'm doing when I'm in a tree stand. I like the solitude. I still really do hunt, but uh, it's not. I found that it's not the hunting. Uh, it's it's almost meditative. It's the isolation and the solitary and being out in the nature. That's another place where I know my true north needle is just like pegging. You know, it's just mm-hmm. vibrating when I'm out in the woods and I'm out in the nature like that. And I read that, and it touched me the, then. You know, so this this stuff like you know we say. We say God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves, where these things happen. Uh, I know a lot of people flinch at the God word. I look at God like Kleenex. Mm-hmm. 
It's like if I asked you if you want a Kleenex and it's a generic box from Kroger, you don't go, that's not real. Mm-hmm. You know? Or if a Coke and you like Pepsi, you don't get offended when I say, do you want a Coke? Mm-hmm. How dare you? But man, if you throw that G word around, people go, uh, I don't go to church. You know? <laughs> it's, it's funny the reaction, the words and the sounds, because that's really all that is, really. It's just sounds that's coming out of our mouths that mm-hmm. we have such funny reactions to. Uh, I still flinch at the word Jesus. There's something in my upbringing that when you say that, I'm like, I want to sit back and go, yeah, not, that's not for me. Uh, but God doing for me, and that's what puts you together with whatever it is, the universe conspiring to help us when we will allow it to do that. Um, I don't know I was going on and on, and I don't even know if I had a landing spot there. I just do know that yoga has touched me and brought me to a place that uh, I know where I was going with that. I started watching you and Sarah Smith when she was in the teacher training and I started coming a little bit more once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at some level you put people up on these pedestals, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that you go, wow, you know, and you're like, they're glowing with yoga, you know, uh-huh. uh, I saw you practicing, you know, if I was in the studio and you, you know, I keep an eye on you, uh, to see if I could, you know, cause I knew that you had some things I didn't have. And then in the, in our world in recovery, we actually say that, you know, we will watch for people who have what you want. And emulate them. Keep your eye on them. Do it. It's the stick. It's the old stick with the winners kind of hmm. uh, philosophy. You know, yeah. it's, it's actually a really healthy thing, right? Uh, but you don't want to like let those people know you're like, well, paying. You know, I don't well, let those people know that I'm paying attention. Uh, but you did. And I just want to make the, what I'm getting at here is that you've had a huge influence on me in a personal level from you being the owner of the studio because at some level, you know. Um, at some level, Cass Scott is responsible for the level of recovery that I have in my life today because of her own and because of you owning this. And it's not Scott anymore. Uh, it's it's Crawford. all different names. Yeah. <laughs> Cat has uh, been responsible for, for a piece of my recovery. And I like to do that thanking people when they've had a positive influence. I don't think we do enough of that in our world anymore of um, letting people know that you've touched them. So thank you for that. You're welcome. That's a... Uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for the studio. I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd be doing this. Yeah. I don't know that I'd be doing the podcast. Well, thank you for sharing uh, that. Because it gives me, you know, I have a confidence about me today. That's another thing that yoga has given me, you know, that comfortable in my own skin thing. Mm-hmm. Where that, you know, I be, I can be Dan. I can be the authentic Dan today and and have the balls, the wherewithal to, to put this stuff out to the world, to hear me, right? To to say, here's my thing. Mm-hmm. That's what you're doing here, right? I mean, right. it takes some, okay, yeah, I'm going to start a yoga studio. Who am I to start a yoga studio, right? right? Those thoughts had to go through of going, who are you kidding? Absolutely. And uh, so both kind of miracles. Uh, I know we, a lot of times these things, and I watch it because most people take about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes to talk these stories out. We're at an hour and 10 now. Mm-hmm. Uh I know that there's been some things that's happened to you since opening the studio that we might that you might want to share um, trips, uh, experiences during teacher training, um, opening so new studios. Things. Yeah, I know. I know there's a lot, and I want to make sure and touch on some. Be here, be here all night. <laughs> there's a couple of big ones got to be some yeah, that like well, stand out above the others. I or... mean, you said trips, and it made me think of um, my now husband. So I met him. Honestly, it wasn't that long after I got divorced. My divorce was a long time 
there was like a big buildup to it. And so once it was complete, it was like, it was kind of like I had already been divorced for a while. So, um, so I met Patrick, um, in March of 2017. And when I met him, it was, um, I love the way that you said that like your, your North, what did you call it? Oh, like your North pegging peg. my needle, yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, you could feel it vibrating. So when I met him, it was, it was the, the needle was vibrating and, um, and I remember like right from the get-go, I was like coming from, I knew that any relationship that I was going to start, I was, was going to come from authenticity. So just from, from the beginning, it was like, I am going to be open, raw, vulnerable, perfectly imperfect, all those things. Like I just knew that that was going to be the foundation of any relationship and it just worked. He, he was open to it and the two of us just, it just worked. Because that can so, be pretty intimidating and pretty scary when we start being open when people are being open with us and Mm -hmm. when you're being open with somebody else that vulnerability that comes with that is uh, not easy it's it's not and i i think that the fact that we started our relationship like that from the beginning it just meant our relationship moved kind of like lightning speed Mm -hmm. (laughs) like in dog years or something yeah and we uh we decided we decided to elope um (laughs) And didn't tell anybody. Patrick managed to tell just about everybody he knew, but um, they were all in Lexington, so none of my people found out. But mm. we uh, we went to backpack the Teton Crest Trail, which is a forty mile trail along the backside of the Teton Crest um, Teton Mountains. Um, and so we decided to get married while we were out there, and um, we had a simple little ceremony. His his mother joined us. She was one of the people in in on it. <laughs> And uh, I bought some $3 flowers from from a florist, not from a florist, from like a grocery store and yeah. had a dress that was $10, $15 on Amazon. And, and it was just like, we kept coming back to like, well, what's authentically us? You know, like there's, especially when it comes to like a wedding and there's so much outside influence. I mean, God forbid you go on Pinterest and look at wedding stuff. I mean, just so much stuff that you should do that the society expects you to do if you don't do this it doesn't like you don't love each other or some bullshit i don't yeah. know what it is and we just kept coming back to like this is about the two of us loving each other and wanting to commit our lives to each other we don't really need anything <laughs> like we, i wanted to hold some flowers so we like I, I made the mistake of looking at like florists in jackson hole wyoming yeah and started to have a panic attack because it was like wedding packages and this and for only six hundred dollars you can get this this and this i was like oh my gosh no i just want to literally hold a bouquet of flowers and you're not allowed to pick wildflowers in (laughs) in the national park so we had to go to a grocery store um and and it was just so perfect like the whole the whole thing like we put our chacos on after we got married and went and took pictures out and like out in the park wearing our wedding garb and um And it was just, it was simple. It was very authentic to us. And um, it and it was so fun to tell everybody that I'd gotten married after <laughs> after keeping it a secret. I just remember seeing the trip What's on that? Facebook. There were some pictures and some things. But, yeah, uh, I posted it. I wasn't really using Facebook there for a while, so I didn't. Maybe it wasn't then. But I there posted was some, on Instagram. Okay, well, you know how yeah. it does the cross-posting? Yeah. And it might have been Instagram, too, so rather than that. But I remember a little bit about the going. I'm pretty sure I do. I don't know. Did y'all go since again? No. Okay, so then it had to be that one. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, it's, it's like if you That's maybe great. went back or something or went for another one of those, but I remember. I didn't have any idea. No. Nobody knew. That is super cool. And that is exactly, you know, I mean, that... uh I really ping with that too because that's right along line with me on just anything outdoors and mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff. I, uh, my bucket list stuff includes some some trips out west that I've yet to be able to to do. I've been a couple times out to Idaho and some places for work. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but my I don't know. I, ever since um, you know getting sober from being concerned about what other people think, I I just feel like everything I do like. Um, it's like I'm checking in with like my gut. Is, does this align with what my my gut wants me to do? Yeah. And um, making decisions based on that like deep, deep source of of knowledge, which I think is hard to tap into. I think it, it takes is. some some breaking down and some uncovering and some peeling away of layers before you can like really feel it. Yep. And um, it took a long time for me, and I I feel like now I'm operating from from that and. It honestly makes things a lot easier to it does to like have that sort of guiding that north star that to like the guiding light that i can check in with yep and it's the same with running the business you know like i ran the business for several years without really having any sort of mission i mean we had a mission statement and some values but they were sort of scraped together really quickly just <laughs> while we were building a web page um and it wasn't until i got really clear on the mission and the values of the business that like now whenever there's a business decision that needs to be made it got well does it align with my values yeah, you can run it through that filter then, yeah you run it through the filter it just makes it just simplifies things yep to you know that. that's just i mean it's just so parallel and that's what you know there's a lot of ways to operate in a positive manner you know and uh, this is the, that these yogic principles are are just almost like it's so parallel with like 12-step thought mm-hmm. of now i have what What's written in there, we just as simple says, is a design for living that works mm-hmm. very succinctly. That just I've got some operating principles mm-hmm. to to work with today, which weren't just frankly weren't handed to me. I, I didn't get taught that growing up. Uh, you said something else about that, uh, getting in touch with yourself. Uh, and it sounds a little hoity-toity in a way, but in our 12-step, we say having had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, we start we practice these principles in all our affairs. And uh, and help other people give it away. We we give give it back away, mm-hmm. just like that full circle of the hero journey, right? And at the end right. of it is going back and helping other people with the path you just came off of. Right. Uh, that spiritual awakening word. Uh, you know, I try to dumb the stuff down a little bit because that sounds a little like a little like I said, a little high falutin, little little hoity toity. That spiritual awakening, but the fact is, is that my spirit did reawaken. It was asleep. It was something. There was something going on. It was covered up. It was when I like to say um, most time. I'm, anytime I'm talking to somebody and I'm trying to get them to relate with this stuff, I talk about spiritual sickness is another thing. And and people go like they, they want to attach that to like a religious, a lack of some kind of religion thing. And that's and I try to correct my you know. At least try to get them to attune with what I'm saying is that most everybody believes we have some kind of spirit, some kind of essence, some kind of consciousness, something inside of us that is, makes us us, right? Not this vehicle we're driving around, not the outside. There's something in there. And and the things like you were saying that um, where this friend didn't want to be a friend anymore, you know, that stepped on that spirit, right? And started to make me doubt myself. And I have multiple times of that happening to me. And what happened actually is my spirit, my very spirit got sick. It got ill, just like a mental illness or just like any kind of like thing it was stepped on. And what happened through a practice, through practicing these principles in the 12 steps is that I reawoke that. 
Mm-hmm. I was able to peel that stuff off. You said it had been a peel and onion. I think you said too, we say that, of uncovering this stuff so that I could unburden that my spirit so that I could become me again. And that's what recovery is to me is this circle of coming in. Uh, my definition of recovery that I take is um, regaining that which was lost or stolen, which sometimes it gets stolen from us because of trauma. People do things to us, whether it's through abuse or any other kind of, maybe some kind of trauma that maybe some people close to you died or you were in an accident or something that would really just really change your trajectory. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about the pinball machine, you know, when it hits those one pegs, what bounces that ball the other direction really fast. Yeah. We have life events like that, that, that will change our trajectory. And, and the 12 steps in yoga too are both things that actually allow us to uncover that and dig and get back and mine out, uncover, unburden that original spirit that's inside of us. Yeah. Another thing that, that I heard that reminds me of what you're saying. Uh, we had a teacher, a guest teacher, Karen Tarone come to 502 Power Yoga many years ago, maybe four years ago. And she was making a joke about how people say Baptiste yoga is like brainwashing. (laughs) And she said, I don't know why that's a bad thing because my brain was full of crap. All the things I've been telling myself and it needed a good washing. Yeah. I say the same thing about 12 step stuff too. Yeah. Because people say about like the 12 steps is a brainwashing. I like, I I say, I parallel that exact same thing. I needed a washing. (laughs) I needed a cleansing. What was, what I was doing wasn't working for me. Mm Mm-hmm. That's really the bottom line. A lot of this stuff is that when you see what I see when I come into the studios is the same thing I see when I come into the rooms of uh, recovery. I see souls looking. They're seeking. They're looking for something. It looks like people are in here looking for exercise. That's what it looks like. Yeah, that's how we trick you. And it looks like people are coming into (laughs) recovery looking to quit drinking and doping. Mm-hmm. But really, both sets of people are really coming to try to find themselves. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find something that's missing. Uh, at least that's my, you know, there's always exceptions. But I think that's where the most most of what, what we see and hear are people trying to find that path. They're on that, that Joseph Campbell hero journey. They're trying to find themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's too cool to like, because that's part of the awakening too, right? I tear up thinking about it because I'm so touched on Sunday times because I get to do this stuff where I actually get to participate in a manner where I actually help people uh, move down this path. Mm-hmm. You know, never had that, right? I mean, like you, you are like, uh, you know, how many people come to this studio? A lot. A lot. <laughs> that are being, having, uh, I am tearing up. Uh, that get to be touched, right? Because of this mm-hmm. thing that, that, this silly thing called yoga. <laughs> and we know it's not yeah. silly, but this thing is, can have that much impact and much positive impact on individuals, which is a ripple out because then because they're being positively impacted, then their kids are also and their husbands and their wives and their aunts and their uncles mm-hmm. or the people they work with uh, are getting to be in that ripple. Right. And, and then that ends up being the whole community. And that's another thing about why I like 502 so much specifically. Now, maybe this is happening everywhere and it's just where I feel. That's the same thing I say. There's other ways to get sober in the 12 steps. It really is. I'm sure there are. I'm just not aware of any of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are other great yoga communities around. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is the one I'm aware of. This is the one that's mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, there've been a couple of things pop up that were uh, worried about maybe getting, but wasn't going to be cool for me to be here anymore mm-hmm. at this studio. And then that really hurt me to think that I was going to have to like, I was like, I'm not accepting that. <laughs> uh, whatever has to happen 
just like you didn't accept the to keep that to happen. Yeah, I'm not accepting Perfect. that yeah. uh, to happen in my life. And we get to do this thing where we get to touch people and, and guide them in a positive way. Well, who'd have thought that we get to do this someday? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm just, where yeah, are you from? Are you from here? I'm from Louisville. Yeah. Originally, you know, I always tell people, you know, I'm, I'm a Southern Indiana hillbilly. I'm from New Albany, Indiana. Uh, and here I get to do this podcast and I get to have this positive impact on a lot of people in a lot of different ways and, and get to be, you know, just so many cool things, so many miracles happened in my life as a result of that 12 step thing that brought me to yoga. Mm -hmm. What other kind of cool things besides the trip or anything you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I got another, uh, part of my hero's journey, I guess, was when, when Sarah did have to move to South Carolina, she, her husband had a new job and I had spent the first, I guess it had been two and a half years in business with her feeling like she was the one that was in charge and I was sort of the second in charge. Um, so when she was leaving, I had a decision to make, like, am I going to take this on by myself? Am I going to have another business partner? Am I going to sell the business? Like there was a lot of fear around mm-hmm. doing it by myself. I, I didn't think I had, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't Sarah. I wasn't the same person as Sarah. I didn't lead the same way Sarah did. Um, I didn't have the same skill set that Sarah had. I had my own skill set. I had a very like technical operations based skill set that, you know, helped get the business up and running. Um, but I didn't have the same leadership power that she had. At least this is what I was telling myself. And um, so I made the very difficult decision to take it on by myself. Um, And I'm so grateful that I did because by doing that, it has sort of, um, it sort of forced me into, into this, this path, like of discovering myself as a leader. Um, Like I got, I got really clear, like, okay, there are certain things that like, you know, like I'm not sure I can lead teacher training. Mimi is more than ready to lead teacher training so like I started to delegate like the certain things that I knew that were better better served by somebody else I put them in their court and um, even just by doing that it started to free me up to do some other things and I started to like come into my own leadership style that was um, not the same as Sarah's but effective and now looking back like I've had um, we had a teacher on our team who moved away her husband had a sabbatical and so she she moved for um i think eight months or so and she had moved during this transition time and she came back to 502 power yoga and rejoined the team and she was like cat you are a completely different person yeah. than you were when i left like the confidence the leader that i see is just it's just not the same like you were in the shadow before and now like you've come into your own and um and i was really scared to do that and i don't think i could have done it if if Sarah hadn't basically said like I'm leaving you've got this you know she sort of coached me into it like you can do this and um and I trusted her and I I went for it yeah that's um, really cool that yeah. goes right along the same line you know she could, you all came together and a certain magic happened mm-hmm. uh she left and another kind of magic happened uh yeah I I mean honestly I don't know I don't know where I would be right now if it hadn't been for Sarah. She's made such an impact on my life yeah. in so many ways. Yeah, and I'm sure I can probably say the same thing by proxy, right? Because this wouldn't be going on and wouldn't have the chance to impact me if it hadn't been for her and you two both doing mm-hmm. this. So I remember a little bit, but I didn't get to know her much. Mm-hmm. I know she had a very strong personality. Mm-hmm. Intimidated me. 
Well, you both did. Do yeah. That's what we come down to a human level sometimes. And uh, that's one of the things that seems to always happen when I get to do these podcasts with people. Because one, the, the unknown blessing to me when I started doing this is that the joy that I take in like getting to know somebody across this way. Because I don't know really how to do this without like this thing in between us. Uh, I'm still probably pretty good at it, but I get these opportunities where I get to sit down and we just actually focus on doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that gets me that I wasn't prepared for the, 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 the exhaustion from doing this. I want, I want, I've learned that like when I have to plan some time after this to calm down and, uh, and chill after the podcast, there's a lot of emotional investment and I like it, but I have to make sure that I put some time on the backside of my mm-hmm. podcast recording to kind of go, okay. Sometimes I even take a little nap. Yeah, that's how I feel after I lead a workshop. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, that's another thing. You've given up yourself like that, and then, uh, yeah, you need a little time to to, yeah. to take back. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Mm-mm. Well, a lot of times, like, when people do these stories, and I know you never can get everything out, and the point of this is not really to give somebody's life story either. Uh, one of the things I kind of like is when we do this in recovery rooms, that people do work speakers in around. And I don't know if you're aware of how that operates, but we have speaker meetings where somebody gets up and tells their story and they do this. And usually by the time it's an hour, one hour meeting, but by the time you do the introductory readings at the beginning and we have a little closing at the end, you end up with 40 minutes or so to talk and, uh, and you feel very incomplete. Uh, that's another term I picked up out of yoga teaching is, are you complete? Uh, and I watch people as I sit here and do this and there's an air of like, okay, I'm, I'm complete. Now that doesn't mean that they're, they've told their whole life story. That's not the end point. Yeah, point is I got moment. complete in this moment. And, uh, and you kind of see a sigh that people will go, they'll, they'll sit there and there'll be a minute of silence and they'll go, I think that's all. Yeah. <laughs> you go, yeah, cool. Yeah. I like it. Uh, I've enjoyed having you on here. I know there's a lot more to the story. Uh, Save that for my memoir. Yeah. Yeah. You ever think of it in that? Write a book? It's crossed my mind. Yeah. Fantastic story. No doubt. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I think something that we ought to all be encouraged to do. Uh, it's so easy and accessible now. I mean, it's not easy to write. I'm not saying that, but you can publish on Amazon today, <laughs> you know, yeah. without even having anything. You just have to have you just type up the document and mm-hmm. and do it. I got a buddy that's in the nicotine quitting world and he, uh, which is a whole nother world. Um, he puts out in his day count, these little corny, he calls them dad jokes and they're terrible, but they're funny. They make me giggle every time. And he wrote them all and he's got a thousand of them in a book and he just turned it loose in Amazon the other day, you know, for like $5 and 29 cents, thousand dad jokes. Uh, I know what I'm buying Patrick for Father's Day. Yeah. Well, tell me because, uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's Kindle only, too. Okay. Yeah. That's, uh, I have it in my phone. I get to look like I'm funny once in a while because I'll lift them out of there and poke them out into my groups. Uh, I really do appreciate you sitting down with me. I appreciate you and just as a yoga, as a fellow yogi, and for what I got out of being able to attend a 502 Power Yoga's uh, uh, teacher training program. Um, we didn't even talk about, you know, you opened up a second studio, uh, that's over in my home court. So mm-hmm. I, that's the one I generally attend more times than not. Uh, although I love the Highland energy mm-hmm. here also. So I always try to make it, to make it time. in an hour for, yeah, six o'clock class. Or teaching or taking, mm-hmm. take it, take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's just a blessing to have gotten to know you and, and to be able to, uh, 
to do this thing called life in one another's uh, mm-hmm. presence. It's uh, I, well, I acknowledge you for um, taking your own ripple and rippling out and affecting so many other people and positively impacting so many people's lives. Yeah, I uh, wear my teacher training bracelet nearly every day. Cool. I still, uh, I, it's it's on my on my. And you know, uh, just to top that off, and this is something that that made me and it means something to me. It would tear me up again. Uh, is that uh, you know she said that she infused it with the power of the lighthouse. And I, and I really do, you know, it feels a little arrogant in a way to, to, to like recognize that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know I'm actually getting to do that. And when I hear it from somebody that, because she's another person that inspires me too. And uh, the whole 502 staff and inspires me. But to have that uh, really, really touched me to, uh, to, to, to have her grant me that power, yeah, so to speak. That's what you're doing right here. You are a lighthouse yeah. right in this moment cool thank you we will sign off on that i'll do my little commercials real quick again too spiritual uh, we will uh i'm gonna ask you if you can we take a picture yeah because i like to put people's faces with the names on the website totally. i don't know and uh just a little two of us and doing that and um so we can go to the uh website and see pictures of the people who are on the podcast uh spiritualunderground.org um You'll hear Darren Frank's music wrapped around the podcast and go to Amazon and get 12 Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. If you're in the Louisville area, come to 502 Power Yoga. The address is 2210 Dundee or uh, 300 Missouri, Missouri Avenue, Avenue in Jeffersonville, <laughs> Indiana. Putting me on the spot. I forgot. Right. So. Yeah. I know. That's like when I'd ask people about their sobriety day. If they're not like ready for it, they'll yeah. stumble on it. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, Easier thing to do. Just throw in 502. Yeah. Google it. Google yeah. What's, we learned this. And this is another thing I learned in teacher training is, uh, is, uh, GTS. Google that shit. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening and, uh, tune in next time and, uh, peace out. Inside